<laughs> I like it's just told you it's been busy. It's been busy. I, I was forgot. Looking forward to that so much. Mm, I'll get it eventually. I have to um, start with a with a shout out. Okay. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say this is our newest listener. Oh, do we have another review? No, I don't think we have another review, but we do have another subscriber. Good enough. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, there you go. My my coworker, who joined for the severance okay. coverage. Mm-hmm. I actually brought up Bobo Cramp. Oh, okay. At a office kind of luncheon. It's literally silly. Uh-huh. And just kind of like shared like, because somebody brought up, I don't know how it came up. But anyway, I was like, yeah, my podcast got a new review. One star. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty proud of it. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, Carrie... My coworker, coworker Carrie. Um, I feel like you know what this just hit me. We should by this time have like a stable of characters. You would think, uh-huh. right? Yeah, like callbacks. You mean like callbacks? Like mm-hmm. coworker Carrie should be an established character. Mm-hmm. But here we go. Start with one. Yeah. But um. She taught me a good lesson in worker solidarity uh-huh. in the last few few weeks. And, you know, as I look around and see, like, strikes and union efforts, you know, being won and lost, it just makes me feel like, how could you ever be against the workers? Right. You know what I mean? And growing up, I definitely was not brought up in a union household. mm but now that I'm older, I'm like, I can't believe that it actually worked. Even on me for a little bit, be like, well, I don't know about, you know, anyone asks you to join a union, first you got to figure out what they're, it's like, mm-hmm. no, if there's a union at your job, join it. Right. Well, yeah, the way it was always pitched to me was you don't join a union because unions are just there to cover for the bad employees. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the union is there, so someone who's lazy and doesn't do their work can't get fired. But but people then don't ask, like, well, what about the lazy CEOs? <clears throat> right. What, what, what about the lazy admins, you know? What about the overpaid people? What about the people who are just going to tank whatever company that is, you know, they're over into the ground mm-hmm. to, like, bail out with a golden parachute? But it's like, yeah, thank God we didn't keep Kevin around, Right. you know, because he was just, like, you're, like your co- we just talked about it off air, you mm-hmm. know? There's coworkers who, for various reasons, might be going through a tough time or have ebbs and flows, and you got to pick up slack for them. It's like, yeah. you know, that that's life. Who cares? Um, yeah. So, anyway, shout out to uh, coworker Carrie. Yeah. Um, subscribed <laughs> probably a week ago, and I'm going to, again, assume we probably haven't had any new subscribers. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't imagine. Yeah, so there you go. All right. Um, so what are we doing this week? Good question. So what we're doing next week 
is talking mind over murder right on hbo which also dovetails into something that we, we've talked about a little bit but i, I kind of want to reassess and, and address because fundamentally like you and i like true crime mm-hmm. you're rereading in cold blood yep and not rereading i'm reading it for the first time uh, well i started it for the first time and then i had to bail check myself and realize i wasn't really paying attention and restart it <laughs> um but i think both of us also feel kind of uncomfortable with certain aspects of like the true crime culture yeah like none of us listen to true crime podcasts i don't think no not like regularly and um not like any of the like my favorite murders or anything like that right. but like occasionally yeah for sure there'll be like here's like a mini series or whatever yeah and i kind of want to look at that like the the and true crime has gotten to a point where now you need to be iterating on the idea of true crime to do something interesting mm-hmm. it's no longer interesting just to be like here's a super crazy story let me tell you about it like you've got to be like commenting on the nature of true crime yeah i mean i guess mind over murder does do that but i don't know if i agree with you well it's set it's setting up something that could be doing which i think is interesting right but um yeah i mean when i look back it's like when i was my most depressed was when i was the heaviest into true crime (laughs) exactly Yeah, I mean, yeah, it can. I uh, yeah, we'll talk about more next yeah, week. Yeah, so it gets it, it gets hard for me to listen to true crime like to consume any of that like consecutively. Con- yeah, like consistently make that like your steady diet. Right. Um. And so, but Mind Over Murder didn't really show me a lot on episode one. Mm-hmm. Like, talk about a show that I feel like needed that one to drop. Mind Over Murder feels like that type of show. Like mm-hmm. some shows are like like Severance. Here's episodes one and two. You know, mm-hmm. and this one definitely felt like I kind of want to see episode two. Yeah. Kind of see where, where they're going. Uh, so that's for next week. So this week I kind of wanted to um, talk to you a little bit, a little loose. I have a few ideas. I think you said you, you had an idea or two, mm-hmm. but just kind of talk about video games. Okay. Um, you know, after E3 season and all of that. And I think you would probably say more than anything, video games is probably your primary hobby. Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to talk maybe about how video games have changed and and adapted for us, like since we were kids. Also, the access to games has never been bigger. Mm Mm-hmm. And also my paralysis in picking a game has never been bigger. And I saw you posted on Instagram or something um, playing the the new Turtles game with Mm -hmm. your daughter. Mm -hmm. And Indy and I played that the other day. Yeah. Maybe we could talk a little bit about the uh, Turtles. Sure. So who wants to start? I'll start because you mentioned uh, it being my primary hobby. And that's kind of what my... my I had a um just a fleeting thought about this a while ago and I made sure to make a note about it and the and my what I'm curious about is do you feel like video games have ruined any sort of like creative or 
maybe even career ambitions you have? I think that's probably the main question about getting older, right? Is as you get older, you realize I'm going to die soon. And mm -hmm. what am I going to leave behind? And am I going to leave behind just a life of consuming? Mm -hmm. I just consumed all these video games and some brought me joy, some didn't. But in the end, it was just kind of like, well, that was a way to spend 10 hours. Yeah. Um, versus, yeah, like even the feeling of cranking out like a shitty short story. Mm -hmm. You're like, well, at least I created something. You know, at least there's a record of, of my existence here. Mm -hmm. It's not just me consuming things. Um, is that kind of what you're hitting at or did I take it my own way? Uh, no, I mean, more or less. I guess what I was thinking about is... kind of twofold the first is that i don't ever hear other people of our generation or i guess any generation really talk about playing video games mm -hmm. unless their job is to cover video games mm -hmm. but like any other podcast i listen to whenever i hear musicians who i like be interviewed filmmakers i like be interviewed they're never talking about playing video games. And it seems like, and and more to the point, not only that, they'll bring it up as like, oh yeah, I just don't play games. I don't play video games. And so there's a part of it to me, and my perspective on it is, uh, is that it is like almost consumes my ever waking thoughts. Right. As soon as I, I as soon as I woke up this morning, I was like, oh, let me try out Fall Guys because I know that's out. So I'm up at seven o'clock in the morning playing Fall Guys. I mean, I have to wake up just to take care of the dogs. I didn't wake up just to do that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? But in, in comparison to like other uh, other hobbies in my life, I, I will go through phases of reading or listening to a bunch of books in a row. And then for six months, I just don't read anything. I'll, I can watch a couple movies in a row or I'll have a phase where it's like, yeah, let me watch a movie and watch another movie. And then I'll just not watch anything for a while. I've, I'm With the exception of like maybe one or two periods of my life, I've never gone through a time of just sort of naturally falling out of playing video games. Mm -hmm. I've had to very purposefully stop myself from playing and like sell all of my video game stuff and be like, I need to get my life in order. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's kind of that coupled with, like I was saying before, I don't ever hear people talking about it mm. unless they're video game journalists. And when I do hear people talk about it, I think I think I'm vaguely remembering it coming up maybe on like Hollywood handbook or flagrant ones. Mm -hmm. Someone just mentioned in passing that like they just didn't even know what video game somebody else was talking about. And it just made me think like I, I'm the same age as them. You know what I mean? It's like, I just don't understand how you could be a part of our generation and be that disconnected from video games. Yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think, <clears throat> but, but I think video games have evolved really quickly and it makes me wonder if we all played video games. I don't care if you're, mm -hmm. If you're roughly our age, you played video games yeah. in your childhood, someone else's house, right? They were 
everywhere. Well, and you probably still do in some form or the other, like on your phone or whatever. And that's my point, is I think video games have evolved to the point where there's not... Maybe people don't know what you're talking about when you say video games, because... Mm -hmm. Everybody like like yeah, I play video games, and then they pull out their phone, you see them on it, and you're like, oh, you're playing Candy Crush, or you're you're playing yeah. a tower defense game, or you're playing whatever, right? You have Apple Music, which means you automatically get Apple games or whatever. Mm-hmm. So you're 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 playing those. Um, so yeah, I I think the the notion of video games has evolved to beyond the um, console and and, and all of that. Right, but I I guess my point kind of too is like if I had put as much time into writing, which at one point I had some maybe vague ambitions of writing, if I had put just as much time into writing as I put into just one video game, Destiny, right? I could I could probably be making at least like of uh, like part time living off of that. You know, or have at least something substantive written, mm. but instead, I've put seven thousand hours into a single video game. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, but but the other thing that I go back on is like, listen, if we expand bigger than that, I could have lived a childhood where all my friends weren't the ones who are pushing me outside, mm-hmm. literally every second of my life. When really, I just wanted to be a chubby inside kid and Mm -hmm. be left alone. Like that was my dream. And I could have learned an instrument in there instead of learning to play basketball, Mm -hmm. which I retain hardly (laughs) any of those skills today. Right. right? And man, what would, what would my life have been like? Oh, had I learned to play the guitar, Mm -hmm. probably just the same me with, (laughs) I can maybe play guitar now like a little bit. Yeah. So, I mean, part of me is like letting go of all of those what ifs and then committing to the me now, which honestly, I too enjoy. I love reading. I do enjoy the idea of writing, Mm -hmm. but to actually write is not enjoyable to me. Mm -hmm. It's hard and I know it. I know that I produce subpar work. So I'm not enjoying it. Mm-hmm. And so at some point, it's like, yeah, I could be that person who's like carrying around a little notepad, making notes throughout my day, and then putting together like a decent short story. And even though that's more accomplished, does that mean that I'm a better person or a more accomplished person? Mm-hmm. I don't think so, you know? So I kind of let go of that to be like, this idea that being a creator is in somehow a more verified existence than somebody who is not is something is a game that I don't even want to consider playing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because for me, it'll just be an endless question then, you know? So do I enjoy, like, I have ambitions of things that I want to do, but I'm at the point in my life where I'll only do it when it's bringing me enjoyment to do it. Mm -hmm. So I have a lot of paused projects I still think about regularly, but when I think about, do I want to play Dead Space tonight or do I want to work on this board game idea I have? Mm-hmm. It's going to be Dead Space, right? Now. <laughs> right. <laughs> that could change later on. Uh-huh. But I, but to but to say like Keith didn't play Dead Space and he instead he spent four hours crafting cards for his board game idea. 
okay, doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. And that Keith is a much happier, more productive Keith. Yeah, I guess I'm not trying to put a value judgment on either one. It just so that's is, totally me. is more of an observation of like, would would my would my life be different? Maybe career wise, creatively, whatever. If I wasn't interested of in playing video would. games, I just listened to Kurt Vile. Um, his interview on Hollywood Handbook, uh-huh. where he mentions that he doesn't have a TV. Mm-hmm. And the immediate thought came into my mind was, if you were given a choice as a as a pre-fetus mm-hmm. in the before life, right? and they said, Ugh. you can live the rest of your life without a TV, but you will create like the last album that Curvile created, which I love. Mm-hmm. Would you take that? Like, would I take that? Mm-hmm. Or would I be like, screw that? No, I, I don't care if that would make me like a memorable musician that is like accomplished. I would much rather watch Severance and talk about it with my brother-in-law. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, like sure. Severance and all that other stuff, like all the stuff that I've enjoyed in my life, that's TV based, which includes video games. Yeah, Kurt Vile gave that up to make the music that he's making or be right. the person that he is, to have the mind that he yeah. has. Yeah. See, I guess if you gave me that scenario, you would say you give up video games, right? You 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 lose all the interest and time you ever played video games. And then you end up having the career of a writer like George Saunders, right? In a heartbeat, I would give up video games. And and not even, like, to the level of acclaim or, like, skill that George Saunders could write. Maybe just, like, somebody who's, like, can make a living off of writing short stories. See, that that's my second thing. It's my, my second thing is, like, I feel like I would... I would do that in the monkey's paw version of my agreement would be I'm like Michael Peterson. <laughs> right. You know what yeah. I mean? He's he's published a bunch of books. <laughs> yeah. And he's a complete narcissist lunatic. Right. You know what I mean? Like to to me again, it's like I don't know what's made me me. Mm-hmm. I can't point to everything. And there are times in my consuming where it isn't a benefit where I do feel like you where you're like, I have to sell this to get my life straight to yeah. then bring video games back into it. For me, I'd probably say my my primary hobby is, you know, films and TV, mm-hmm. you know, watching. Right. And there were times where I was watching movies and I was like, man, this sucks. Like, I have no outlet for what I'm watching. The What I'm watching sucks. Mm-hmm. And there's just not enough good stuff that I'm watching to make me feel good about myself. Yeah. Or good about this, you know? And so I've had to make adjustment, but I do feel like the things that I've watched have made me a better person. I do think that it's had personal benefit to me. Um, and so in that case, yeah, what am I trading off to be a, a writer? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it might be too much. I might just end up being a, even if I'm a good writer, I might be a bad person, mm-hmm. which is, a majority of the people I read, wow, that was an amazing story. Let me learn more about you because I want to know about you. Holy shit, this guy's a lunatic. Right. Yeah. 
Okay, yeah, that was just kind of what I was thinking about. So, yeah, so for me, I guess it goes, and again, I feel like it, I, I have trouble answering questions that, and, and not bring into my specific experience and worldview, but. Sure, you know, that, I mean, that's the whole point. Yeah, I guess. So Talk to him. For, for Talk to me, him. too, it's like, it also becomes an evaluation of what I'm playing or watching or whatever. Mm-hmm. Do you have that or what is like, what's your process of there's a new game that's on game pass. Am I going to try it? What's your evaluation? Yeah, that's see. And I think that's probably an issue that I've run into relatively recently. And I think it does kind of probably go back to the access that we have now to games. It's kind of like the same thing with, I know we've talked about this before. Maybe I don't know. I don't remember if it was on the podcast or not, but it's kind of like the same problem that you run into with Netflix. Like the difference between Netflix and Blockbuster, right? You go onto Netflix and there's a million movies you can choose from, which means you can choose one and just not commit to it and mm-hmm. watch it for five minutes and turn it off and be done with it. Whereas back in the day when you went to Blockbuster you picked a movie, and if that movie was shitty, you had to watch the whole thing because that's what you rented, and you're just going to watch it. You know what I mean? Maybe twice because yeah. the next day it's raining. And at the same time, like, that's – especially in, like, college, that's some of the best memories. Like, we go to uh, – was Hollywood it Hollywood Video. Video and find some terrible horror movie and – Or a good one, like The Wicker Man. Right, and it's just is a blast. Um, and so I'm kind of having that same problem now with – Game Pass, I've downloaded so many games on Game Pass that sit in my library and maybe I boot them up for a couple minutes and then I'm just like, you know what, I'm just going to play Chivalry, right? I'm just going to hop into a match of Chivalry and play that for 30, 40 minutes. Or it'll be in my library and I'll just be like, I'm just never going to play this and I delete it. (laughs) So... Even though I have access to all these different games, and I've downloaded a lot of them mm-hmm. over the past six months, the only thing I've really played is Chivalry. Yeah. That's it. So, I, I and I have a problem with that. I just can't get into... Some of it, too, is I have almost no patience for single-player games. All I want to do is get into a multiplayer game and play against somebody else. And mm-hmm. that's it. That's what I want to do. The exception to that that I can think of has been I did play through all of Tunic, which was fine. And I played through, I want to say, probably half of Control. And then I got. Which I think is it. the right amount to play of yeah. that game. Yeah. I. See, for, for me, it's, I think for me, the the holy grail that you're always chasing is that game or that experience that then involves another experience. Mm-hmm. So, you know, whether it's a movie that you watch, it then makes you want to like read about it and discuss it or to engage in a discussion, whether it's on Reddit or Letterboxd or wherever. Mm-hmm. Even that is something that I think, to me, can bring value to whatever it is that I disengaged with, right? And with games, 
the opportunity I think is is more dynamic. So I think about a game that is played this year called Inscription, mm-hmm. and that is like a horror type game, but has a lot more going on than just the mechanics of the game, and definitely sent me down a rabbit hole afterwards of what did everyone else find? What did mm-hmm. this mean? You know, all that stuff. And that was a great gaming experience for me because it involved more than just playing the game itself. Right. Yeah. Um, and sometimes just playing a game, like you said, just playing a one person game, especially that you're not really engaged with is that you feel the, you feel the operation of what the hobby's doing, which is just allowing you to pass the time and mm. get through the next two hours yeah. a little easier. Because that's all it's doing for you, you know? It's not engaging you on any deeper level. Mm-hmm. And I've, I found myself backing off and being able to, like, stop movies earlier, not play games when I don't feel like it is giving me that other level of engagement right Mm -hmm. when it's just the mechanics of the game i a good example that is like assassin's creed i used to be able to play through a whole assassin's creed game be like that that was fine and now with i tried valhalla and another one just after a certain amount of time you're like i feel the grave (laughs) creeping up on me right like you know what i mean like this is just mindless and i am i'm literally just like I, I would rather, you know, it's either this or, or staring at the wall. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think it brings in that idea of what is video games or what is this hobby keeping me from? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah, in that case, I would probably put it down to start writing a short story. Because so I'm like, yeah, even the sh- short story sucks. I won't actually just feel like I literally wasted, Yeah, you know, that that time. And so, yeah, for me, it's like Inscription. Although now I'm playing through a one-player one game, um, Dead Space, mm-hmm. which you've encouraged me to, to play through. Yeah. And I had a little day off, and I just ended up playing through like half the game in one sitting. Yeah. And it's just fantastic. Yeah, it's and great. And fun and great, mm-hmm. you know? And to me, it's like, yeah, that's something where I can't ever imagine taking that experience out of my life Mm -hmm. and feeling like I've done better for myself. Yeah, for sure. But with all the bloat, you feel that pressure to try it all. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the, the problem is, is like curating all this stuff. How do I know if dead space, dead space I avoided for over a decade. Yeah. But man, the crap that I've played in that decade, Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that gets me, too, to the fact of, like, where's a good curation for this stuff? Where do you go? You're mainly Reddit. Yeah, I mean, well, for video games, no. I think for video games, it's mostly podcasts, like Besties. But even that, I listen to less for recommendations and more just be just to have like some Something video to game discussion oh. to listen to. For a while, it was Min Max, which is where the chivalry recommendation came from. 
because it was, I think, on Leo's like best of list. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, and and I guess some of it too was just like Tunic. I think they were talking about it on Besties, and so I was like, well, let me check this out. Um, but yeah, I don't know. For for me, it's just a strange. Sometimes things stick, and sometimes they don't. As much as I loved um, Spelunky, that's what it's called, right? Yeah. Could not get into the second one. As much as I loved Rogue Legacy, well, I don't think I've played the second one. But I have no, just no interest whatsoever in playing it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Despite people saying it's great, better than the first. Yeah. You know, I just, I I don't know what it is. Yeah, I mean... To, to me, like, I wish, and and I'm maybe I'm a little surprised at the lack of like a consistent curation source that mm-hmm. I can go to. Like even podcasts or whatever, I feel like there's enough content to like justify, like somebody who's like, I'm the curator, mm-hmm. like, or this website. All we do is curate, like, mm-hmm. down to niche products to whatever. But, like, as soon as I try to get beyond the best Switch games, enter right. Yeah. It's all the same list. It's all mm-hmm. the same, like, engagement. And really what I'm looking for is, like, you know, Inscription or, like, Pony Island, which was the guy who made Inscription, his first one. Mm-hmm. Like, you only hear about stuff like that because you're – listening to that podcast at that right second yeah i think the problem for us too is most of that really niche stuff you're gonna find on pc which is not well now i have a steam deck right but i that's new you know what i mean right like most of your life and my life has just been playing games on console right and for the most part, console games are going to be fairly, like, mainstream. But same thing with PC. Like, I thought PC would be different. Mm-hmm. But it's, like, it's hard to find a list, especially with, like, cross-platform. In terms of curation, sure. Yeah. That, that's like, be, I just mean, like, in terms of, like, what's actually available. Right. right. Like, inscription is Because, is right, PC. like, on PC, you'll get the weird, what was the... Um, demonic game from the guy that made castle doctrine that you got some weird coin from coin or something from the, <laughs> you know what I mean? like you're never going to get a game like that on console cordial minuet yeah exactly cordial minuet yeah oof just got a right? shiver <laughs> love it yeah yeah well i mean well that that kind of hits at what my so i've always loved stories mm. i've always loved reading and i've loved narrative video games and for me, it comes down to, like, I've never vocalized this, so don't hold it against me because it, uh-huh. it may be very stupid. Uh-huh. Do you have a drop for that? No, go ahead. Uh, I used to think, uh-huh. and I probably blame Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade specifically. I used to have a belief that there's something more, like, from a young age, I I distrusted the purely biological explanation for all of life. Mm-hmm. 
it just didn't make sense. There's too many weird possibilities out there. So whether it's aliens or miracles or whatever, mm-hmm. like I was open to the fact that like, no weird stuff has happened. I want to know it. I want to know all the secret hidden stuff. And the way that I figured that that stuff had been collected is like in books. So somebody saw something weird, they wrote it down. Mm-hmm. But back in the day, that doesn't spread widely. So that gets tucked away in some library somewhere and forgotten about until you like unearth it. And then you've now like got a piece of the puzzle to like uncrack the layer beneath you know mm-hmm. what we see and i i really did believe that if i read enough and read the right text that i could like get an idea of the real world right mm-hmm. so reading classic literature and always obsessing over like dreaming of you know indiana jones and the last crusade it's like Indiana's dad is always in his study, like with some weird text, mm-hmm. like finding a new symbol. Right. You know what I mean? Being like, what does that symbol mean? Well, that symbol represents this. And the tribe in Roanoke that disappeared, that symbol was on the tree. Mm-hmm. And then you start to like see this connection. It's like, it's it's the basic like um, treasure hunters mania. Yeah. Right? Of just like trying to piece it together, feeling like things could be pieced together. And you know, books and stories to me gave me that that drive, that push. And then v- when video games came along, you now have an idea of like, well, we can build the, if if it doesn't exist, like we can build a Lovecraftian narrative mm-hmm. ourselves. We can show you what it would be like to experience that. So then I became very interested in, you know, games that have these weird, you know, niche narrative twists, like Cordial Minuet, right? Which is like Satanist, I guess. <laughs> right. And like really well-researched Satanism. It's right. just like plugged into a game, but speaks to this like deeper reality that's mm-hmm. going on under, underneath. I became obsessed with that. And video games offer that. Um, and so whether it's like inside mm-hmm. even... Um, you know, uh, what was the other game I played the other, this is a good, but like oxen free as well, mm-hmm. which speaks to like, um, a narrative like that. Um, and now that technology is getting easier for people access, it gives you even more opportunity. Mm-hmm. So like I- immersive experiences like Blair Witch Project, those kind of speaking of a deeper reality that this thing is inviting you into those things I love. And I see that as a possibility more in games and, um, and something that, you know, keeps me going back to video games mm-hmm. um, and something that gives me satisfaction and dead space. Now that I think about it does kind of do that as the same, you know, level on a first person shooter it does have a much deeper narrative than I first thought it did. Mm-hmm. Did you even follow the narrative of Dead Space at all? No. I mean, Scary Space Station is yeah. pretty much all I remember. Dead Space, Elden Ring, uh-huh. same thing. That kind of depth. I've I've watched lore videos. I got sucked right. into yeah, it. Yeah, for sure. So. Well, also, when I played Dead Space, you know, none of that stuff was around, right? Like, I couldn't go to YouTube and find a video explaining the Dead Space lore. 
Um, did you, you mentioned in our text, uh, possibly listing top five video games. Yeah. Do you have that? So talking about curation, there's also no good, um, video game. Like I used letterbox like crazy Uh huh. for all the movies I watch and TV shows. Now they, they've started uploading. Right. Um, Goodreads sucks as a site, but mm-hmm. I'll at least use Audible. Like, I'll rank every book that I listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, there's no good space for video games. Yeah. Um, so I would have to do it, but I feel comfortable that I could do it, you know, off the fly. But let me ask you this. Sure. Are you somebody who, like, listen, Link Between Worlds? Never played it. <laughs> you did play. <laughs> what, what Zelda games have you played? I haven't played any of them. I don't like Zelda. Right. Well, that's a bad example. I mean, I, I've, oh, I've played them good. for four or five minutes. Here's the thing that I feel like. Zelda, even the best Zelda games I played as a kid, mm-hmm. they don't belong on a best of list. Okay. We'll have a disagreement about that. Is then. that a disagreement? Because that's that's the thing that frustrates me too. Is like, and people talk about it, they're like, listen, best movies of all time. Like, of course you gotta go Citizen Kane. Yeah. Or best games of all time. Listen, we gotta include Super Mario Bros. Three. Like, well, you know, right. And I guess there's a difference between best games of all time and like my top games exactly. because my top games are all based around the experience I had playing the game. Yeah, I I guess that's my distinction, too, where I feel like when people just assume, like, well, my best, of course, includes all those. I was like, does it, though? Like, based on what? Because, yeah, I loved playing as a kid. Mm -hmm. When when they brought out Link's Awakening remaster, I was like, great, this is a Game Boy game. I, I could get, and I remember playing being like, yeah, this these mechanics are not right. Like, what's the big deal? F- fun, right? Yeah. Like, it's nostalgic, but it's not right. So, no, I'm I'm sorry, but like, video games have progressed mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, offered experiences that those games just couldn't, mm-hmm. you know. And at that age, yeah, I I you could push A and the guy jumps, and I was pretty amazed by it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, before we get to that, I, there was something else I wanted to ask you about. What is your relationship with gaming and indie? So indie loves to game Mm -hmm. and recently, like we will play some co-op games, Mm -hmm. but there haven't been any that have really like captivated us. There've been some really good ones. Risk of rain Two was something that was recommended and it was on game pass. I think somehow we got it for free and we played that for a little bit and that was great. Um, but he loves sandbox games that are mainly first player. Like so, Minecraft. Like, oh, so, well, I mean, that's, mul- that's multiplayer actually, I would say. Well, yeah, but you know, you can play it by yourself and just build a world. Yeah. He's playing a game called Banner Lord right now. And mm-hmm. he jumped into chivalry on the update. He loves chivalry. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like co-op gaming, he'll game in front of me or we'll game like on the couch. Usually I'm on like a switch or something. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be something that we get more and more now that he's getting older. Right. 
because I also have been very aware of the content. Mm-hmm. Not because I don't think he should be watching certain things, but because he's he's truly not suited for violent video games. Right. And when I look through all the games I own, 80% of them are just insanely violent. Yeah. So I'm video games is a big part of our lives. He plays chivalry with all of the stuff turned off, I'm assuming. Yes. Gore and all that, yeah. All the stuff turned off. Um, he played through, uh, oh, this is funny. He played through For Honor. That's uh-huh. the fighting game, right? Mm-hmm. Super violent, but we found out you could turn off all the gore and stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's playing, He's they have a story mode now. So he's playing through the story mode, and there's one part where he's fighting an elephant. <laughs> and he's like, Dad, this elephant just touches me and I die. Uh, and I have no idea why or what happened. So I was like, you know, because you turn the gore, like right. if we turn the gore on, <laughs> that thing just sk- stomps skewered. your, exactly, that thing like <laughs> screwed you on its tusk, like right. ate your foot, <laughs> threw you down and stomped you. Yeah. Like, yeah, so that's the one thing you sacrifice. You touch the elephant, you die immediately. <laughs> right. Yeah, because it does something yeah. horrific to you. That's funny. Yeah, yeah I, I yeah, that's interesting. I, I do have this sort of, because Sophia and Charlotte, Charlotte is just not, that's just not her thing. But they're also just still too young to, like, I feel like play anything um, regularly, especially with me. But Sophia is, like, so loser adverse, you know? She just can't handle losing, losing or dying or just, she just can't handle a fail state. It just shuts her down completely. So we haven't been able, like I was trying to get her to play Fall Guys today. Just the goofiest, silliest, you know what I mean? It's you versus 60 other people, of course, you're going to lose. She made it through 1.2 matches, right? She made it through one where she lost. She started up another one and got like fell behind a little bit and just like, I, I don't want to play this. And that was it. That's funny. So it's like, man. We've played a couple Halo games together, like multiplayer games, and that was fun, but yeah. Yeah, it, it's weird. Like, I, I found that I definitely need to go at Indy's pace. Like, yeah. th- there have been games where I'm like, oh, I can't wait to play. Like, I can't wait to honestly play um, that tells you how excited I am to play with them. They <laughs> forgot what they're even called. What's the big boy, big daddy? Oh, Bioshock? Bioshock. Mm-hmm. They want to play those games are freaky. Exactly, he's totally not ready. I've wanted to show him inside. Yeah, too you know too too freaky. You know he watched me play Elden Ring a little bit. Uh huh. Um, he walked out and watched Dead Space for like five seconds. Yeah. Um, of all games, Bioshock had the moment that has scared me the most, and probably any media i've ever consumed in the first second or third the f- i only played the first one what there's a third bioshock this is what's interesting about you you've turned me on to things mm-hmm. that then i'm like oh my god like i don't i know that you probably played dead space too but it wouldn't be surprising to me to well, see yeah to play through thing, one and two. i played through all three dead Space. right and yeah. then talk to you and be like justin dead space two and you'd be like oh, i didn't play two <laughs> Like, but it's not like two and three were direct sequels. Absolutely, they are. Two isn't. Two is like a completely different thing. You're in the sky, right? Well, I guess maybe I don't know because I didn't play it. But it's I, on the I same timeline. It. Like sure, yeah. Um, 
But yeah, there is a moment in the first one, and I don't know how scripted this is or if I just ran into a, a bug or I glitched something, but there's a moment where you're going into, uh, you're in, I want to say, like a surgeon's room or something, mm-hmm. and I'm just walking around, and I'm, I know something's going to happen, right? It's eerie. You're in a surgeon's room. The whole game is creepy. I'm just looking around. No music is playing or anything. And I'm walking around. I walk back into this corner and I'm just looking for stuff. I don't see anything. And then I just turn around to leave the room. And as I turn around, there is an enemy looking at me (laughs) straight in the face. Not no music, not making sound like didn't attack me. Just looking at me straight in the face. And it got like an audible yelp out of me. And I just immediately sat the controller down and turned off the TV. And I had to go outside and like walk because my adrenaline was pumping (laughs) so fast. And it was like midnight, right? It was in the middle of the night. It just freaked me out so much. That's hilarious. But yeah, Dead Space was great. I love Dead Space. Dead Space. Space. I mean, Bioshock. I like both of them. Right. I'll say two really quick, just quick thoughts on Dead Space. Number one, um, love the shoot the limbs idea. Mm-hmm. I don't know that the technology was full <laughs> yeah. to execute. Do you remember feeling at all frustrated at like, Oh yeah, for I'm sure. I'm shooting this tentacle. Yeah. I don't know where your hitbox is. Yeah. Just make the tentacle fly off. Right. And with the resources being so limited, mm-hmm. you're just endlessly like, at, like there've been a few times where I was like, Based on where I was in the save game and where I had to go, I'm like, I just need to beat these three things with my gun. Right. Because I can't, I don't have enough ammo and the hitboxes aren't registering enough. Yeah. So, you know, like those things which I'm anticipating get better with future games, but also it still works really, really well. Like yeah. I love, I love Basically, right now I'm at the point where I love literally every single idea that they that they've had mm-hmm. in the game. There's just every decision. I'm like, well, this is brilliant. I love. I think it was probably one of the first ones to me that used like blowing your scope of the game. Where I thought, oh, you're just on the space station. Oh, you go out right. and half the space station is missing. You mm-hmm. see the moon mm-hmm. right there. You're walking outside of the ship, and you're like, yeah, what an amazing concept and that video games allow you to do if you if you have that vision most yeah. people don't the video game is just like yeah you're in the space station shut up mm-hmm. you know um so yeah just fantastic game for what it is now has me interested in the callisto protocol mm-hmm. which is a lot of the makers of dead space one and two mm-hmm. uh, and people say it looks like dead space watching the trailers of that one i wasn't too interested but now now i am yeah well, and they're also remaking the first one. Exactly. But with what what remake means nowadays, which to me feels more like reimagining. Yeah. I definitely wanted to play through one and two right. to get like the original idea and then play the remake, hoping that, yeah, the remake is more of a reimagining. Final Fantasy VII, I heard people got pissed right. off because that was more of like, reimagining than mm-hmm. a remake yeah they definitely changed some stuff i didn't play it but i heard they yeah, changed did you play stuff. final fantasy 7 back in the day it's on my list 
So you're one of the ones who's like Final Fantasy VII is one of the greatest games of all time. For me, yes. It's it's on. I can get it on the Steam Deck now. Mm-hmm. And I've thought about and and now I also buy games thinking about indie as well. Right. And so I, he played Final Fantasy XV for a reason mm-hmm. and loved it, mm-hmm. beat it. One, I think the first game he ever beat. Um, and so he likes Final Fantasy, but. Seven, I just can't get a sense of what that game or even story is. Yeah, I mean, well, I guess we can get into it then. I'll give you my list. Okay. Okay? And this is in not in any particular order. Final Fantasy VII is definitely on there. And it's on there because, uh, let's see, when did it come out? I It, it, it was one of the first games... Um, that I ever finished front to back, you know, and it's a long game. When it came out for PlayStation, it was, it's like, it's three discs long <laughs> and it's super long. When did it come out? Final Fantasy Seven, uh, 1997. So I was what, 15 years old? Uh, 14 years old. Um, but it, it's on my list because just such a huge game that I got completely lost in. And when it comes to story, there is a story when I was 14 years old, there's a moment where a character dies and I was crushed. I couldn't believe it. And it was one of those moments where you're like, I want to take this back. Right. I, I want to have not played this now. Right. Yeah. Like, let me go back in time or something. Um, so there's that aspect to it. But then the other aspect to it that I think has actually resonated with me long term is that because it's such a huge game. There's just so much to, like, find. Mm-hmm. And back in 1997, again, there's no YouTube if I wanted to find all of the secrets, I had to go buy a strategy guide, which mm-hmm. I'm not buying when I'm 14 years old. Um, and so you just find, and so what you end up doing is just playing the game and finding all of this stuff that it's just is like a truly a secret to you because you have no idea it's there. And then occasionally you'll see, you'll get like glimpses of it or hints to stuff that you haven't found in like EGM or different, you know, magazines, video game magazines that you're reading. So there's that. I mean, and the thing that really sticks out to me is that I remember playing, like, the whole game, and there is a part where, Sophia, can you not just use, there's, use the scissors. They're probably in the dishwasher. Just use scissors, please. Um. It's it's hard to explain without getting to like mechanics or anything, but you you go into like the depths of the ocean, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's two giant sea creatures that are just hidden in the ocean, and they're really hard to find, and they're completely optional, right? And there's like impossible to be, you know what right. I mean? It's just one of those things that like the, the amount of discovery, the self discovery that you had, that I had playing with it has, has always stuck with me. And it's, it's like one of those things that I still kind of look for in a game. 
which again is at this point, especially with the way I experience games now is kind of impossible with like Reddit and YouTube and all of the communities around it. So that's something that I really cherish. With that being said, I have tried so many times to go back and play Final Fantasy VII front to back, and I just can't do it. Mm -hmm. I own it on Xbox. I own it on the Switch. I bought it like multiple different versions and told myself, you know what, I'm going to do it this time. I, I got it on the Switch. You know what? I'll just sit on the couch and I can play through it maybe while we're watching something I'm not too interested in. And I just can't do it. As much as I loved it as a kid, as much as I really want to play through it, I don't know. So, I mean, is it graphics too that come back to haunt you when you try and fire up those old games at all? Not really. I mean, especially for that because it's just so nostalgic, you know. it's It doesn't bother me. I mean, it, that game for sure definitely looks rough it's just a bunch of blocks on top of each other basically yeah <laughs> but you know you get the point across yeah i'm i'm definitely somebody who like i'm glad i'm playing dead space but if i were to ever if you were to ever convince me to play final fantasy 7 mm -hmm. i'm getting the the remake right yeah and i haven't played through that so i don't know all right what's another Oh, I know. Let me see how many I can guess. Okay. So that's one. No, I, I have wouldn't have guessed. The, the one that's in the number one spot is there for a purpose. The rest are kind of just oh, like they're, okay. they're I, in there. I don't want to spoil your. So, so you, you go. Cause, uh, yeah, I want to spoil the big. Okay. I feel like I know what that number one is, maybe. Okay. So uh, Final Fantasy VII is one, is in, is in, is in my list. Another one is uh, Metal Gear Solid. For the first one, PlayStation, right? Well, not the right, not the Nintendo ones, obviously, but Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation, and that is there again for just kind of like the. Uh, so, can you let the dogs in, please? For just kind of like the memories that it created and how it's just the place it had in my life, it was. I can't even remember why it had such a huge, um, why it was so like hyped up. But I do remember me and Steve Baker waiting in line to get the game at midnight, having a sleepover, and just playing through the game. The like best. literally stayed up all night long playing through the game, beat the game then played the VR missions the next day and the next morning and we're just totally exhausted. But it was like, it was one of those. And I think that is probably the first game that to me was like, this is its own standalone experience, right? Like this is, is not good for a video game. This is good. You know what I mean? It's just straight up good. The story. Yeah. And it also, um, Metal Gear in general, not just the first one, but Metal Gear in general, I think th at least the first three, okay? I haven't played four and five, which get very cinematic heavy. The first three, for me, are the perfect balance of in-game lore and out external lore, right? Because I remember reading stuff for hours 
in college after I think maybe the third one came out and I played through it about just the different, how all of these different characters tie into each other and all of these different quirks. And like the reason this one fight plays out the way it does is because of this. And there's like an old man sniper in the third one. It's like, he's so close to death that you could actually just hide in the game for long enough. And he just dies of natural causes. You know (laughs) what I mean? And it's like that level of lore and the way you can, you don't have to spend all your time learning it in game is what I really loved, which obviously the rest of the series kind of really gets away from that, Mm -hmm. but I didn't play this. All right, so Metal Gear. Did you play Metal Gear Solid? See, I didn't. Cuz I so I didn't have a PlayStation ever. The only Metal Gear I ever played was a little bit of 5 where you could tie whatever to a balloon, right, mm-hmm. and send it back to your base. Mm-hmm. That was the big innovation there. I played a little bit of that cuz people were like best game series ever, but I never went through is that again another one that you're like? Dead I Space? would still recommend Metal Gear Solid. There's, okay. it's been remade a million times, so I'm sure you can get it somewhere. Um, but yeah, it's it's just one of those things that it's also like it's uh you know made by Kojima, so it's got its own quirks and like mm-hmm. weirdness to it. It's not just like this straightforward, super serious spy thriller thing loved it it's so good and it's just so weird um, okay i'm gonna i'm de- i'm actually gonna play that after dead space 2 yeah i'm sure it's available somewhere okay so final fantasy 7 kind of about story again i guess yeah just more place in life but there's secrets aspect to it metal gear solid the lore stuff the the uh, next another one on my list is, and this one may be a little weird. This is one hundred percent about Tetris. Yeah, one hundred percent about like just the the where I was at in life and the way I experienced it, and it's the first Gears of War, and it is purely oh, yeah. for again I had that same experience, uh, me and Steve Baker by the game at midnight. Then we go back to our respective apartments and then we spend all night playing through the campaign together. And then it's just months of playing multiplayer together. And Gears of War is like, was the first game that I got really into like the multiplayer, right? Like I remember the 360 was the first time that I ever really played multiplayer like over the internet not in the same room with people like mm-hmm. GoldenEye and all that. Um, and that was when I was like, oh, this is this is how I want to play video games. Yeah. And Gears of War is kind of like was the pinnacle of that for me. You're the one who turned me on in college. By that point, it was Gears of War 4, right? Gears of War 3 was like right after college. Right after? What when we were living together at Smyrna, that was Gears of War 3. Okay, mm-hmm. so... I remember you turned me on to Gears of War 3. Yeah. And yeah, being like, I, I do remember that being like one of the first times where I was like, Justin really like <laughs> likes this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so Gears of War was like the beginning of that for me. I yeah. mean, I still remember playing 
matches, like specific matches of that game with Steve. And just, man, I just loved it. Um, and then I would say one that has to be on this list just by sheer playtime, but also because it combines all of these other things that I loved about the previous games. It's almost endless in the amount of stuff you could do. It's just a huge world uh, full of a bunch of different secrets that you can find. Uh, great multiplayer. Um, and then it also has that lore aspect to it where, so I'm talking about Destiny, of course, right? The first two, I'm just going to lump the two Destiny games together. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has that, for me, it had that perfect balance of, and it's also was the beginning of like, this is how I experience games now. I go to the subreddit. I see what everyone is talking about on the subreddit. I, from the, from there, I learn like the different mechanics of the game, different things I can do. I'll watch YouTube videos, blah, blah, blah. That's like my blueprint for playing a game now. Right. And, <clears throat> but it, it just by sheer amount of time played alone, it has to be on my list because I've literally put like 5,000 hours into it. I literally played destiny so much that it was like bad for my marriage <laughs> and I had to stop playing video games for months. <laughs> right. So it's maybe it's like a double edged sword. Maybe it shouldn't be on this list. It needs to be in a spot it where it's like, I love it so much that it ruined my life. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has those elements of like, I again, I still remember playing the first raid and having this feeling of like, which is obviously, like we've been saying, incredibly rare of this time where everything is being exposed. I know literally every single in and out of this game by from reading the subreddit, and yet I go into the raid for the first time, and it is completely a completely new experience. Mm-hmm. And feeling like I'm actually discovering stuff that nobody else knows about it's just what i just again i still have remember it and it still sticks with me and man it just was such a great experience you know oh i remember talking to you about it i remember not even having an understanding of like what a raid was you Mm -hmm. know and you like describing it to me and that's what got me into destiny 2 which yeah we had some we had some good times in that one Although, see, games like that to me, I I do it for the social, right? Like if I'm not if I'm not feeling like I'm picking at a secret of the universe, then I'm usually just playing a multiplayer game with you and Chris, mm-hmm. whoever, and just being the worst of the team because <laughs> right. I'm like, hey guys, I'm here, I'm trying my best, yeah. But really, my my heart is in that devil devil game, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, okay, and then last one. Disco Elysium. Mm. You know, I should have said before I started, I feel like Disco Elysium should be like an honorable mention, right? But again, I think that falls under my rule. It has not been three years since I've played it, so I can't give it. I can't put it on my top five list, right? And I can't give it a perfect score. It hasn't been three years. Yeah, well, I mean, every game you've listed so far has been like 10 plus. Also, ex- that, exactly, Destiny. exactly. When and it's Destiny like, come out? 15, Des- right, Des- Destiny is like, has to be on there just by sheer amount of time played. Mm-hmm. The rest of them, the most recent one is Gears of War from like, 
20 years ago, <laughs> 18, 19 years ago, you know? She does that sometimes. No, I love it. She She's like really struggling with that thing. Yeah. Good for her. Well, there's nothing in there. Exactly. She's just, I don't know what she's saying. Okay, so number one, Super Mario World. <laughs> for me, Super Mario World is... I think I tried to explain this to you before. There's the concept of, is it Plato's chair? Right. Where it's like, if someone says to you, think of a chair, Plato's chair would be the chair that you think of. It's the ideal chair. The ideal chair that every other chair is based off of. Right. So when somebody says to me, what is a video game? I think of Super Mario World. Right. And I remember playing it endlessly at daycare taking turns with the other kids, finding all the different secrets, the different exits that all the worlds, that all the stages had, you know, discovering the star worlds and then discovering the secret star worlds within the star world. You know what I mean? And it was like, it's, it's again, it's the kind of that same thing, that same idea of like discovery and finding stuff on your own that I think is probably unique to video games. You, you know what I mean? That, and that's, I think, what really pulls me in. That that discovery, I think, is the is the point. Yeah. Um, yeah, your, your ability... Do you remember even being a kid and, like, all the rumors of, like, if you beat Mega Man in this right. way, you can see someone's boobs. <laughs> right, yeah. All that stuff. Right. Video games just offer endless possibility because even if the game sucks, you can at least be like, what hidden secrets... Am I missing? Yeah. And dig into that. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are your five. Those are my five. I would say on probably on merits alone, I think you could make an argument for putting Disco Elysium in place of either Gears of War or Destiny. But again, Destiny, just by amount of time played and for how much it wrecked my life i feel mm -hmm. like it has to be on there and gears of war again it's just as, it's on there more as a kind of like a concept and a memory than anything else yeah i would have guessed um destiny for sure just based on your playtime okay yeah. are you ready for my 5ish let's hear it so again not not having a hard list but listening to yours and thinking about it a little bit you know, I struggle with stuff like for me, it would be like I can remember playing Wind Waker mm -hmm. and that being a game where me and my friends sleep over, but like we're literally like mapping the world. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And like, because you can jump on a ship and head out. And now you look back at it and you're like, that world is super rudimentary. Yeah. Um, but uh, Wind Waker is like the cartoon one yeah okay and for the was it n64 mm -hmm. or gamecube i think it was n64 yeah well and then there's and then there's mario 64 right yeah see i never played mario 64 can we <laughs> play that in college no i mean again i've played it for like five minutes or something god man like i remember just like and then they, they came, I never they, had an N64. Yeah, they keep re-releasing it, and then I played it with Indy, and it's like, yeah, it's good. Yeah. 
Yeah, you slide down this slippery slope with a penguin and you erase them. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, it's just like stuff like that. I just don't, like, I get it for what it did at the time like, yeah. and how groundbreaking it was and, and like a 3D game. Right. I get it. So, like, in the history books, yes. For me personally, did I enjoy the hell out of it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do I look back at it and think I want to do that again? No. Yeah. You know what I mean, it's perfect for what it was. So my list is going to be more recent, I feel. Sure. So like for me, Disco Elysium with a bullet yeah. is, is on there. Just in terms of writing, execution, it again is one of those games that not only does it live outside of the game itself, it makes me want to like buy art based on it yeah like, yeah if if i could make a video game out of all of the games on my list it would be disco elysium right you know what i mean like that is the game i would want to make it's so funny and it's so well written and it's so like just impressive <laughs> impressive is the word yeah and and i mean the way that it takes chances mm-hmm. and you don't have to do like the Listen, this game is going to... No, every chance it takes is, like, brilliant. Yeah. Like, Kuno is a huge risk. Yeah. (laughs) And Kuno is amazing. Right. You know what I mean? Um, So, Disco Elysium, for me, is definitely on there. Mm. Um, Then I think about Madden. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) but uh, you know, th- then I think about like puzzle games. Mm-hmm. Love a good puzzle game. If I was smart, I think Witness would be mm-hmm. a potential. Mm-hmm. But I am too dumb. I had to watch a playthrough of it, and loved watching someone smarter than me like work through the puzzles. Right, and then he embedded deeper philosophy stuff in there stuff that i still think about to this day that i found mind blowing Mm -hmm. so but again i couldn't get through the game it's still downloaded i have like almost (laughs) all the lasers i'm Uh, missing one i can't do it yeah um so instead i'm gonna put portal 2 okay on there and i would say like what about braid his other game Yes, but if I think about that puzzle aspect, uh-huh. I would go Portal 2 over Braid. Okay. I don't know if I ever played Portal 2. And, and I would like to put Portal 1 and 2 together if I could, because uh-huh. I like them both. But, well, then I would say, Justin, you absolutely. And I think Sophie is getting there. Indy played Portal pretty young. And I think she's played Portal. Really clicked, yeah. So I think that she, I think she could do Portal too. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hilarious. It's smart. It gives you everything you want in in a game for its entire runtime, and builds on a game that I feel like is pretty close to perfect as well. Yeah. So Portal One and Two, Disco Elysium. The other thing that I like are big, long narrative games. And 
I'm probably gonna have to go with, you know, I, I've played Skyrim. You've played Skyrim, mm-hmm. right? Um, Fallout three and four. Mm. Yeah, I've not played Portal two. It's interesting. Fallout three and four. I yeah. I I don't think I played Fallout four, but I put so many hours into Fallout three. I keep hearing Vegas is like the best Fallout game. I never played Vegas. Mm. I yeah, thought I, I thought it was, it was bad good. when it first came. So I was like, Screw I that. think you're thinking of um, New Vegas '76. No, no, no. I'm thinking about New Vegas. Oh, okay. Like people are saying, like you haven't heard people say that's like the best Fallout game, hands down. No, I'm talking about in terms of being bad. Oh yeah, no. I remember when it was first coming out, being like, but now I realize it was made by Obsidian. Right. So I think probably what I was getting were like all the dorks mm-hmm. who were like. Oh, this isn't Bethesda. Right. No, yeah. this isn't what this isn't what I want in yeah. a Fallout game. Meanwhile, yeah, people are saying like it's better. Like, and this is what I'll say too after the Xbox Bethesda showcase. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna play Starfield. I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna at least try it. But Bethesda to me feels like a company that showed their hand and they're like, we got this, you know system right and we can make skyrim out of it we can make fallout out of it (laughs) (laughs) but if you want us to actually like innovate in any real way you're you're looking at the wrong people right no yeah yeah. we've got a system they definitely have a formula yeah fallout 3 is actually one of the games that i played it i played through it the first time put probably a good hundred couple hundred hours into it played it all the way through did all of the like every optional thing i can think of i think it also too kind of fell in that gray area of like you're discovering a lot of stuff on your own but there's were probably resources to look stuff up i can't remember exactly when it came out but it's one of those games that i played through like that and then i did revisit like a generation later and played through again and like did a bunch of optional stuff again and that game is like pretty busted. Like it's pretty janky. Yeah. But it's just so much fun. It's so fun. Yeah. So, but I'm gonna keep Fallout out of it. I'm gonna keep Skyrim out. Um and you're just gonna put Starfield in there. Yeah. I played it. I know <laughs> Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh yeah. That's hmm. not my pick. Mm-hmm. But that's a game that I will go to the mat to defend. Yeah. But if you ask me, like, well, where's it on your top ten or whatever, I'd be like, <laughs> not top yeah it really is to me super impressive i love what they did with it yeah but what they did was sacrifice game enjoyment for story impact and narrative right yeah um so instead i'm gonna put a game that i think didn't do things as well as like Red Dead Redemption 2 Mm -hmm. and in terms of like the pure addictive playability of Fallout with all the bugginess, it's not that obsessive. Yeah. But I'm going to put Witcher 3 up there. Really? Yeah. Huh. I played through all of Witcher 3 and the DLC and got to the end and was like, okay, what's next? And it's like, no, that's the game. And me being like, crap. Yeah. 
that that was a really good experience. And Chris and I played that together. Um, that game was co-op, or you just played it like in a party? We played it at the same like right. headset. Yeah. So where are you at? Right. And trying to collect all the Gwent cards. Yeah, I played it for a little bit. I the Red Dead Redemption Two. I was thinking of that's the one I didn't play. Right. Why was I thinking that was? Um, I was thinking of Red Dead Redemption, just the first one. Red Dead Redemption, yeah. I would put Red Dead Redemption on my distant honorable mentions list because that is another game that I just put so many hours into and I made sure that I found, you know what I mean? I made sure that every single metric in the menu was at 100%. I did all of the DLC and it was the first time that I had played a game. It's set in the desert, right? And I had just mo- lived in the desert for a year. Mm-hmm. And it was the first time that I played a game and I felt like this com- 100% captures being in this location, right? Like this is exactly what it feels like to be in a desert. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's f- super immersive. Fantastic. Um, love it, but yeah, Witcher okay. three. Witcher um, three. So that's four, right? I got one more. Witcher three, Fallout. No, I went Disco Elysium. Disco Elysium. And then I went. And you don't even remember your own list. Portal two. Portal two. And then I went. You talked about the Bethesda games. Witcher three. Witcher three. So that's only three then. Why were you talking about the Bethesda games if you didn't put any of them on your list? Well, because I, I put that in the same category as like Witcher 3. Okay. It's kind of sandboxy. And Red Dead Redemption 2? Narrative and Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, okay. Those are all of a piece to me. All right. So I'm trying to give diversity. <clears throat> two left. With, the, with my final two picks, um, <laughs> I'm going to go with... So... This again isn't my pick. Here's my honorable honorable mention for this category. Uh huh. Oh no no no! What what was the puzzle? Oh no, I went with Portal Two as my puzzle. Right. Um, I'm gonna go with actually I'm gonna put another puzzle narrative game up here, and it's you gotta go with Curse of the Oprah Din. Um, the Curse of the Oprah Din is a oh right puzzle mm-hmm. narrative, but again introducing. This kind of mystical, you know, culty, Lovecraftian, you know, kind of undercurrent is like catnip to me. Mm. Like I love it. And then the the puzzles are really inventive and the style is amazing. Mm. So the Curse of the Oberdin is definitely like I put that as a game, like an adult sleepover game for me. Mm-hmm. As a kid, it is games like Dead Space, Metal Gear Solid that you just want to play, experience, get through the whole thing, or like get over this boss, or you find this boss, you try and like beat it, mm-hmm. and um, and you you ride the thrill of that, right? As an adult, that's not really the pull for me anymore. Mm-hmm. It's more about like experiencing this whole thing that I missed. 
So like Dead Space is like, I'm just excited that I'm experiencing this great game that I missed. But I'm not necessarily connecting with like every chapter and like every mm-hmm. monster and, you know, all that stuff. But Curse of the Oberdin is definitely a game that I'm like, I would love to have some adult friends over, maybe have a few adult beverages and just be like, hey guys, let's figure out the Curse of the Oberdin in one night. Uh-huh. <laughs> Let's just go for it. You know yeah. what I mean? And instead of riding the highs of of boss battles, we're all in a note. We each have our own notebooks. And we're trying to make our own connections between characters. And, you know, the whole idea of Curse of the Oberdin is the ship is deserted. You have, you're an investigator trying to figure out what happened. But you can also kind of, like, use items to see the history of that item or like what happened mm. so you can see how people died but you need to piece together who that person is how they died and all of that and man just as a straight up narrative loved it the puzzles are really great and it has the right balance of you can solve it if you try it but um but you're gonna have to work at it you know what i mean mm-hmm. but it's not too none of them are too hard yeah i feel like is that on the switch it should be on everything now switch in my, or is it on xbox i think i, I, I downloaded it somewhere and i thought maybe this would be a good game for like julia to play and we can like walk through it together and I think we made it about thirty seconds in. <laughs> she wasn't feeling it. No, I'll have to. I'll have to uh, play that on my own. I would definitely recommend. I would also like to offer myself as a um, as an observer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if there's a night where it's like, "What are we going to do?" I'm bored. You're welcome to come over, or I will come over. I'll bring snacks and I will sit quietly and help as much as you want me to as you piece together the narrative of the curse of the Oprah Den. Okay. Um, so the last game that I think I wanted was one that I have just found myself getting sucked into, like your destiny pick. Mm-hmm. And one of the first ones that comes to my mind that I'm not going to pick, but it's like Super Meat Boy. Oh, yeah. Holy cr- Like, mm-hmm. I played through all of Super Meat Boy and then went back and was like, I want to get all the bandages. Okay. I'm actually now, like, pushed to set records on this. If I was, mm-hmm. if there's ever a multiverse where I'm like a speedrunner, I'm speedrunning Super Meat Boy. Yeah. You know? Um, and so just like a game that you wouldn't really think of, but man, it's designed so well. It controls yeah. so amazingly. Yeah. Um, man, Super Meat Boy gave me so much in- enjoyment. But I found that platformers are a secret game that I, I'll get obsessed with. Mm. So Celeste I played through and, and loved Celeste. Didn't think I'd make it through all that. But I'm going to put, as my number five, Hollow Knight. Really? Freaking Hollow Knight. 
Okay. Um, number one, I kind of now I'm kind of thinking. Wait, was a roguelike? Am I what roguelike am I missing? Because I've put like Dead Cells. I put a ton of time into. Yeah, I didn't play Dead Cells. But is Hollow Knight's not a roguelike? No, no, no. But it made me think of the same thing. Like just a game where I just found myself right. just compulsively playing. I mean, Rogue and, and Legacy going, going, for going. sure was that for me. Yeah, but I'll say the thing that that puts Hollow Knight over it is the lore of it, mm-hmm. the design of it. It all fits a deeper intention that if you give yourself over to, it's all there. So, like, from character design to the level design and having it be that open world where it's, like, go wherever you want, but there's so much richness. There's so much that you can stumble upon that's not required. Mm -hmm. There's so much that I missed in my plays. There's secret endings, and now there's another game coming out, Silksong, Mm -hmm. which I'm super excited for, coming to Game Pass Justin, so mm-hmm. there's your chance. I'm to not playing. There's no give, way. Oh my god, I love Hollow Knight. I, I yeah, I'll give you everything on Hollow Knight. The problem I had with it is just my experience playing it was just so actually frustrating that I just I can't do it. It, it got so frustrating that I just beat the game out of spite. <laughs> Good. No enjoyment whatsoever after a certain point. Just like you know what, I'm beating this game just because of how much hell it put me through. A couple hours ago. <laughs> and, yeah. and again, all my fault, right? Because I just ended up like skipping stuff accidentally. Right. It's a game that the more frustrated you get, the the worse experience you're going to get because it is so well designed. Yeah. Like, so, and then and then we can end because I know I think I think we're going long. But um, the last thing that I'll say about it or about the video games in general mm-hmm. is like the design is like a a watch like a clock where it's just it's so intricate that if you treat it roughly you are going to miss the whole point of it right mm-hmm. that it has to be at some point you have to fall into it and then engage with it like its design has to win you over at some point so you become more careful in how you play the game because you are going to miss the characters that make it something mm-hmm. special. You're yeah. going to miss that person who is pretending to be a banker and then runs out with your money. Mm-hmm. Like, just disappears, and all the money you've been giving her, mm-hmm. the whole entire game is now gone <laughs> because she's a scam <laughs> artist and you should have seen yeah. it coming. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's just so many smart, brilliant choices that are taking chances and they're so confident in their design. And Silk Song is taking years more than mm-hmm. they thought it would, which again just speaks to like, yeah, these guys know their game. Well, and technically it's a DLC, right? Well, yeah, and they turned into the second game. For, oh, like, so it's like, just like a full sequel now. Big enough, yeah, they're like it's like bigger than Hollow Knight. Okay. Um, and so yeah, but th- I'll say that's what frustrates me sometimes when I heard somebody literally say. You know, I didn't get into Hollow Knight because it's just like, it's just not designed well. It's like, mm. that's, I understand if you didn't like it, yeah. but trying to level a criticism of like design and then being like, yeah, so I never finished it. It's like, I don't think you can complain about its design. Right. Right. Like, and there's also a piece of me that gets defensive when people, I feel like, say, 
we want something new and original, and then they're giving something new and original, and they go, this sucks. <laughs> At least, like what other game is like that game you know what i mean it's 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 very rare so at least be like hey they really tried something great job don't be like yo it wasn't designed well <laughs> right <laughs> all right Video games. that's right they're good now <laughs> yeah. here's here's the thing justin and for our listeners across the world mm -hmm. what is the what is the appetite especially if you made it this far i i bet there's some appetite or you're busy doing something and left <laughs> doing the dishes you had a lot of dishes to do here's the thing what is the appetite for like a like a newsletter mm. newsletter of recommendations mm -hmm. video game film, TV. Our podcast can only cover so much. <laughs> and it's so much more effort to come here. Uh -huh. But to write a newsletter, to be like, here are the things this week, even, that's more curated than, like, maybe I'm missing out on a newsletter. So two mm -hmm. things. Number one, send us a newsletter recommendation somewhere. Where would somebody yeah. even contact you? Sure. Find it somewhere. Uh, it's in the description. Hey, there you go. Send me a newsletter. I think. Di you know, video game curated newsletter. Mm -hmm. If there isn't one, would you want one? I will do one, and I'll make it part of my Patreon. <laughs> right. What was the first part of the Patreon? The first part of the Patreon is I will... What did I say? Ask them the wrong person. Listen, will you give me a, a nickel? Oh, th this is what you said. Yeah. Will you, will you give me 50 cents, 99 cents for a weekly newsletter? Wow. <laughs> Would you ever pay for a newsletter? Mm, no. What if it was me? I would pay for... For a newsletter from you in the way that I subscribe to some <laughs> Patreons just to help the person out. And then but mark the newsletter as spam. The problem is that I've talked to you probably about everything that would go in the newsletter. Sure. But I do feel like there's a need for curation mm -hmm. and there's a need for me to make just a little more money. Yeah, sure. You know what I mean? So I hear you. That so, sounds like me. Go in the description. Say you want the newsletter, and then say if you'd pay a quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, ninety-nine cents. Mm -hmm. Or five dollars. Mm. Nope. And if nobody uh, responds, then I'm definitely going. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.